We are in Yavamos Chavav Amir Aleph 26A1 in the Archbishop Gemara. In today's recording, we will conclude the second chapter, the second parak of this Mesechta, of this tractate of Yavamos, which is very exciting. After 25 weeks, we are concluding uh, the second chapter. We have a long way to go, but uh, it's enough to celebrate for the completion of the second chapter. And then we will continue on to the third and fourth chapter. The third and fourth chapter. Uh, most of it discusses, goes back to the discussion of Yibam, of uh, Yevamos topics. Uh, but then as we move further down into the later part of this tractate, so we enter into a lot of different other uh, topics and discussions. But this Mishnah continues. It continues uh, from uh, the, the discussion from the other Mishnayos. And the Mishnah says as follows, Vikulon, with, with regards to the cases that we had before. So just as a quick review, we discussed various cases where a person does something where there's concern that they were the cause or were involved in a wife getting divorced or just becoming uh, becoming single. So those cases are where a, a, a rabbi uh, does not allow a woman to annul her vow, a certain vow that she makes. Um, and so... As a result of that, she then gets divorced because this vow has an impact on the family and on the husband, so she gets divorced. So then that Torah scholar is not allowed to marry her. If a person asks, acts as a shaliach, as a messenger, an agent to bring a get, and they testify that the get was written properly and gives it to the wife, he now cannot marry that wife. And then there's a third case where a person uh, testifies to the death of the husband. So now the wife is is uh, single and can now uh, marry somebody else. So that the person who testifies cannot marry uh, the wife. So in all of these cases where you say you're not allowed to get married, the law is So if they had, if they were married at the time, if any of these three people were already married, they were already married to somebody at the time, and then only later on did these did the wives die. Uh, did any did their wife die? So then they are. It is permissible for them to marry uh, that original woman who they testified about, or they gave the get to, or they they didn't give they didn't allow them to uh, release themselves of their vow. Uh, for any of these people, if they were already married at the time, and then later on uh, their wives the wife passes away, so then they are. It is permissible for them to marry these women, and the reason for it is because once they're already married, so then they're not really thinking about. Uh, they're not thinking about uh, this other woman. They're already married. So we don't have this concern. We aren't concerned. And it, they were only interested after they didn't get divorced. The wife died. Um, and then in that case, uh, it, it becomes permissible to marry that woman. In cases of divorce, the Gemara is going to discuss divorce. But right now, the Mishnah seems to imply only if their wives, if the wife passes away. Do they then become permissible to that original, to that original woman? Now, it is interesting to note that according to Jewish law, uh, a person, a man, is allowed to marry two wives. They're allowed to marry two wives. And it was only a later day, after the Mishnah, it was a decree that uh, one man is only allowed, a man is only allowed to marry one woman. A husband can only marry one wife. But at the time of the Mishnah, it was permissible. So why is there no concern, even if they're married to one wife? So maybe the person went through this whole thing either to lie about the fact that the husband died or to lie about the get, the divorce document, 
uh, in any of these cases, maybe they did it to marry two wives. So there's different answers that are given. One answer that's given is that it's true that it was permissible to marry two wives, but it definitely was not common. It was very uncommon. Since it was very uncommon, so it wasn't the thing that we were concerned about. Nobody really did it in those days. An alternative answer is that uh, the case here, this is based on Rashi, uh, the case here is where uh, the wife, the one that they're married to, who passes away, passed away a while later. Unclear exactly what a while later means, but let's say months later or years later. And so, since even though technically you can marry two wives, but since we see that he did not want to get involved in another relationship until his wife passed away months later, so then we see that he only wanted to marry one wife uh, at a time. And so therefore, there is, there is no concern once he's married to his wife. And even though, technically speaking, uh, a man can marry, during the days of the Mishnah, a man can marry more than one wife, but still, that is not a concern in this case. Okay, that is case number one of the Mishnah. Case number, law number two. The Kulam, with regards to all these women, Shenisu Lacherm, Vinis Garshu, Oshenis Almanu, Mutaros, Linosi Lahem. If these women who became, they became permissible to marry somebody else, whether it was through a divorce or whether it was through a testimony that their husband passed away, they went and they married somebody else, somebody who wasn't involved in this whole story. And then they get divorced or, or the husband passes away, their second husband passes away, then they are permissible to marry the men who were involved in, in allowing this woman to marry somebody else. Because she married somebody else in the middle... That makes it permissible for her to marry one of these men. And then case number three is Any of these women, it's permissible for them to marry uh, the son or the brother, or as we'll see in the Gemara, also the father, any of the immediate family members of this person who was involved in making her single again. Uh, so it is permissible for these women to marry the son's or the brothers of this person. So these are the three cases of the Mishnah, and then there's just uh, uh, also a few points of the Gemara. It's a shorter Gemara on this Mishnah, but there are a few points in the Gemara. So again, case number one is to say that if the, the man that was involved to allow her to become single, if he was already married, and then his wife passes away, so then she is he is allowed to marry her. Case number two is that if she went and married somebody else, a different person, and then she got divorced or the husband passed away, so then she's allowed to marry him. And then the third case is that she, the third law is that she is allowed, once she became permissible, she's allowed to marry the brother or the children of this person who was involved. And we'll see from the Gemara, the Gemara is going to say that we're not concerned uh, that the, per- the reason why this person wants her to marry the son of the brother is so that he has a closer relationship with her. Now he has more access to her. We're not concerned for that. The Gemara will explain why we're not concerned for that, but we are not concerned for that. And apparently we're also not concerned that the reason why he's going through this whole thing is not for himself, it's really for his kids. He wants, he sees that then maybe she's, um, she, she would be a good shidduch, a, uh, a good fit for her son, for his son or for his brother. No, we're not concerned for that. A person's not going to lie straight out. Just maybe he'll lie. we're concerned that he'll lie for himself, but for his son, for a brother, that we are not Seemingly, we're not, it seems to be that we're not concerned for that. Okay, the Gemara says as follows. Going, the Gemara first says, going back to the first law. The first law is that if a person is married, uh, so then we're not concerned that he's doing all this so that he marries this other woman. 
But if his wife passes away, so then he's allowed to marry uh, one of these women. Let's say he testified that the husband passed away, so then he'll be permissible to, to this woman after his wife, his original wife, passes away. So the Gemara says, The implication is that it's only if she passes away. But if she got divorced, let's say they got divorced, so then we are concerned, because maybe we're concerned that he's, he's doing this, he has his whole plan in mind, he has his whole plan that he's going to testify about her husband, and then he's going to divorce his own wife so that he can marry this other woman. That's what it seems to be. It seems to be only if she passes away. But if it was through a divorce, then we are concerned for this. The problem is, Amarlei, Rav Hillel, or Rav Asher, Rav Hillel says Rav Asher, Vatanya, Karshu. But we have a Brisa, which seems to be against this Mishnah. And the Brisa says that even if his he divorced his wife, he's now still permissible to that original woman that, let's say, he gave the divorce document to, or he testified about the husband, that the husband's no longer alive. Uh, for any of those cases, it seems to be even if he were to get divorced, so we don't have such a concern. We're not concerned that he has this whole, he came up with this whole scheme to make this woman single, and then he divorces his wife. We're not concerned for that. So it seems to be a contradiction. From the Mishnah's perspective, it seems like we are concerned. From the Bryce's perspective, it seems like we are not concerned in a case of where he divorces his wife. So the Gemara gives two answers. Lo kasha. Rashi explains that let's say if this couple uh, already had, were getting involved in, in fights and arguments and it was really, it wasn't looking good, even uh, before he knew of this of this woman to give a divorce document to or to testify about, uh, so even beforehand, so then we're not concerned that we're going to get divorced anyways. He's not coming up with this whole scheme because they were going to get divorced anyways. They were already fighting. But if the fighting happens afterwards, let's say the, they weren't getting into fighting, the fighting only happens afterwards, so then we are concerned. Then we are concerned. People might say that he's really trying to get divorced because he just, uh, he knows of this other, other woman that's around, and so he's creating the fights. And then there is a concern if the fighting happens afterwards. Others actually flip the two around. That what we just said was the opinion of Rashi, but you could even understand it the other way around and say, no, that if they're originally fighting, so then he already knows that he's going to get divorced and he's going to have this whole plan to lie about the husband's death or something like that. Uh, but if they, if they didn't have any fights about it, so then he wouldn't come up with this whole scheme. So you can really understand it in both, sort of in both directions. But the way we first explained it was the opinion of Rashi. The Gemara then says, another answer to explain that there's no contradiction between the Mishnah and the Gemara, it's that it depends on who started the fight. If he's the one that's starting the fight, so then we are concerned. The reason why he's starting the fight is because he's coming up with this whole plan. He's initiating this whole difficult marriage so that he divorces his wife so that he can then marry this other person. But if he's not the one that started it, if his wife started it, and she's the one that's really causing all these fights and is asking and is pushing for the divorce. So then in that case, then we are not concerned because he's not the one that's even initiating this whole thing. His wife is the one that's pushing this whole thing to get divorced. Okay, that concludes the Gemara's commentary on the first part of the Mishnah. The Gemara now continues and discusses the next part of the Mishnah. The next part of the Mishnah says, we have this case here, right? The Kulan Shinasu, Al-Akhirin. Basically, a person testifies that the, her husband passed away. He's not allowed to then marry her. If, even if he was, even if, yeah, right? Let's say he's, he's single. He's, he's not married. So he's not allowed to marry her. She then goes and marries not him, but somebody else. And then that person passes away or they get divorced. So then she is allowed to return to him. 
But what comes out of the Mishnah that Gemara is going to explain is, let's say, so he testified that her husband passed away. And then she marries somebody else. And then that husband also passes away. So we say she is allowed to marry him. So that seems to be going against a certain principle of Rebbe. It's a bigger discussion, but there's a, there's a, a principle that's found elsewhere in the Gemara called a, a chazaka, that they build a certain reputation and that there are certain assumptions that occur because of what's taking place. And essentially, Rebbe is of the opinion, not everybody agrees to this, but Rebbe is of the opinion that if she marries two husbands and they both pass away young, early in their lives, so then she seemingly somehow plays a role in their death. Not, not that, not God forbid that, that she, she uh, in, was involved in the death, but because of the relationship, uh, there was concern that, uh, that she was involved, that, that as a result of that marriage, he, passes, he passed away young. Because it happened twice already. It happened in her first marriage, it happened in her second marriage. So there's concern that it would happen in the third marriage. And if there's concern that it would happen in the third marriage, we say, don't get married. It's too dangerous of a situation. Don't get married. That's the opinion of Rebbe, that if she marries two people and they both pass away young, don't get married a third time. Others say that, no, she has to marry three people and the three people pass away young. But the opinion of Rebbe is two. But this is a case of two, because she first was married, a person testified and said her husband passed away, that's number one. Then she marries somebody else. And the Mishnah says, if he passes away, she is allowed to marry. So the Gemara asks, this seems to be going against Rebbe. And again, this is only applies in cases where, uh, where the husband passes away young. Not if he passes away at uh, what we would refer to as a, a normal, uh, a normal uh, amount of time to be living. Um, but the Gemara says as follows: It seems to be that the case of death is referring to the case of death, meaning when the second husband passes away is referring to the case where there was testimony that her first husband passed away. And when we say that the second husband divorced, they got divorced, it's talking about a case where they testified there was a messenger for the divorce. That we sort of put the two together, the ones, the, the death cases and the divorce cases we put together. So we say, name him season the low So the Gemara says, this should be against Rebbe. It seems to be that according to Rebbe, once she gets married to two husbands and they both pass away young, she shouldn't marry a third. The Gemara says, no, low. No, the Gemara basically says as follows. In the case where she got married. And then there was testimony that her husband passed away. In, according to Rebbe, in order for, if she marries somebody else, they would have to get divorced in order for her to marry a third person. Because if, they, if, they, if the husband died, so then according to Rebbe, it's true. She wouldn't be allowed to marry a third person. Again, this is only if the husband died young. Uh, so then she wouldn't be able to marry the third person. And it's not, and so therefore the case has to be not where he died, but where they got divorced, according to Rebbe. And that's how the Gemara answers that question. Finally, the Gemara has one last comment on the last case of the Mishnah. We say that she is allowed to marry, let's say the person who testifies or the person that gives the divorce document, his children or his brothers. And how is this different, says the Gemara, from the case where Hanitan Minaisha in the opposite case where a person, there's rumors that a person is with a certain, was with a certain woman and was having a relationship with another woman. So then we say it's forbidden for him to marry the mother of that woman or the daughter or the sister of that woman so why is that? If we're concerned in those cases, the concern in those cases is that they'll get married. He'll marry the mother. It's fine for him to marry the mother, even if the rumors are true. The only time a person can't marry the mother and the daughter is if he's first married to one of them. Um, he can't. But if there's just rumors that they were in some sort of uh, outside of wedlock relationship, um, so then 
So then uh, she's still allowed to marry the mother. But we say you don't, we don't want you to marry the mother because out of concern that if he marries the mother or if he marries the sister or he marries the daughter, because there's rumors that he had a relationship with that woman, meaning the original woman, let's say he married the mother, he had a, there's rumors that he had a relationship with the daughter, there's concern that after he marries the mother, he's going to then have a relationship with the daughter. So we say if there's rumors that you had a certain relationship already, not, not married, but you had a relationship with a woman, you're not allowed to marry the mother, daughter, or sister. So why aren't we concerned here also? That if a person says, we should have the same concern, that if a person was the was the testified that a person that a, that a woman's husband passed away and then she marries the son, we should be concerned. Now the reason why he's doing all of this is so that he has a closer relationship with her, and then he's married to she's married to the son. So now maybe we should be concerned that the father will now will have a relationship. The one who testified will have a relationship with his daughter-in-law because now they see each other more often. So the right answer is no. There's a big difference. Two answers. Nashi legabi nashi shichin aslan. In the first case, in the case of the Mishnah, which says that if a person is in a relationship with another woman, he can't marry the mother. The reason why is because women hang out together. A mother and daughter, they hang out together. It's more common to see, if you're married to the mother, it's common to see the daughter a lot. But in our case, where she marries uh, the son of the, let's say, the person that testified or the person that gave the divorce document. So men don't hang out together. So it's true she married the son. But that doesn't mean that she's going to see the son's father. The son's father and the father and the son, they have a good relationship, but they don't see each other all the time as much as a mother and daughter see each other. That's one answer. The second answer is, The Gemara says, in the case where a person, there's rumors that he uh, had a relationship with some woman, and then we say it's forbidden for him to marry the, the mother, in that case, Let's say if he does have, let's say he did, uh, then after he married the mother, he did then have a uh, an affair with the daughter. In that case, the law is that he's allowed to remain married to the mother. It's a prohibition. Certainly, it's a prohibition, but he's allowed to remain, mar- remain married to the mother. But because he's allowed to remain married to the mother, so then the mother is not going to jeopardize the the, the the relationship and and say something about it because he, she knows that she's still allowed to remain married to this man. And so therefore there's more of a concern because they're going to keep it a secret. But in a case where it's a father and son, let's say the son married somebody, and then there's concern that uh, maybe the father uh, allowed created this whole situation so that he has a close relationship with his daughter-in-law. So in that case, if the father then has a relationship with, uh, has an affair essentially with his daughter-in-law, so in that case the daughter-in-law is now forbidden to to the person's son. They're, they're forbidden to each other. Because they're forbidden to each other, so they're not going to keep quiet. That secret can't... The, if, if the son knows about it, he's not going to keep quiet. So there's a, because there's not going to be a secret, there's less of a concern that this is going to happen. There's more to be afraid of because it's going to come out. Because he knows that he can't be with her if he can't stay married to her if she has an affair with the father. So therefore, there's there's more concern that it will come out because he's gonna they're going to keep the law and he's not going to want to remain married. And then there's really... A, uh, there's no... There's no concern um, in that case. The Gemara says, If this is the case, then it also should be true that in our scenario, again, where a person testifies about the woman's husband, and then we say, the Mishnah says, you're allowed to marry the son. She's allowed to marry the son or the brother of the of the witness. So maybe she should also be allowed to marry the father. The Gemara says, no, it's true, you could. 
It's true. She could also marry the father, but the point is that when it, if she were to marry the father, the son wouldn't have an affair with his mother-in-law. He would be too afraid of his father. But the other way around, uh, you might think otherwise, that maybe the father would have an affair with his daughter-in-law because he's less afraid of his son. But even in that case, we are not concerned. So at the end of the day, we are not concerned in that case uh, that he's creating this whole system just for that. It's too far-fetched of, of something to be concerned about uh, halachically. Okay, that con- that concludes our whole discussion of all these different types of cases, and it concludes the second parak, the second chapter, and really mazel tov for everyone who is continuing along in this. It is a difficult mesefta, a difficult uh, tractate, but there's a lot of very interesting ideas that come up, and uh, we completed the second chapter, and God willing, we will continue with Yavamos through the rest of the tractate.